right. We praise God for the opportunity to get right back into his word. Um, it just, um, I'm telling you, it's just wonderful to know that, that God is in control. It, I mean, it, it is, it is literally um, just a wonderful thing to know that, that in spite of it all, it doesn't matter if you don't know how the thing is going to work. It doesn't matter if you know how to get things fixed up. It doesn't matter. Okay. God is God all by himself and he is able to do what we need him to do. Okay. And he doesn't, and, and he's able to do that. Even if you yourself lack the ability, you just got to have faith. I just got to have faith. And that's all that's ever going to be required. The rest that he tells us to do, we'll be able to do that because he'll give us the strength for that. But that primary thing that we got to do is have faith, believe. If you can just believe, all things are possible. We continue in our study here. We are in uh, 1 Samuel chapter uh, 17. Let's look at start at verse 32. Um, and we'll go through verse 37. I think we will finish up what we want to talk about in this series today, Lord willing. <clears throat> and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, thy servant, kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hands of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. May the Lord have a blessing to the, those who read and those who hear, those who uh, do his word. <clears throat> Truly, that is, uh, um, I, I say it all the time, I'm say it again, that's where the blessing is. It's in that obedience. You're not going to get that just listening to the word. That's, that's, that's a good thing that you have disciplined yourself enough to uh, pay attention and listen to the word of God when it is being spoken. But family, that is not enough. That's not even almost enough because God always equates, okay, listening or hearing his word with obedience, okay? It's one thing to listen to the word, to just hear it through your ears. Amen. Okay. It's one thing for you to hear the word. It doesn't matter whether you're hearing it through your ears. And if you don't have the ability to hear through your ears and you, and it is through your eyes, meaning through, you get the word through sign language. It doesn't matter what avenue that you get that word in, whether it is signed in or whether you, or whether you, you, you hear it with your ears. You have got to become obedient to the word of God. You have got to be obedient to the good. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass. We all have to do what the word of God says. That's where you're going to be blessed. Amen. Amen. Now, last week, we, um, we uh, wonderful lesson. We talked about some really good, um, some really, really good things. Um, and um, 
we, we, we said last week that, that many times we know um, our brother or sister needs a helping hand, but sometimes we refuse uh, or we neglect to give it. And we do that um, uh, many times. Um, we do that for many different reasons. So if someone was to ask you, well, why, what happened? Why didn't you do it? You knew that, you know, we, we're subject to come up with anything. That's just kind of what we do. We come with all kinds of reasons and excuses, okay? But we learned last week, James 4 and 17 set us straight on that, okay? And that Bible tells us, God's word tells us, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him, it is sin. So if you're listening to this, no matter when you're listening to this, what time of day, where you are in the world, it does not matter. If you know what God's word says, okay, and you don't get to play the card that, oh, I'm not really um, in church like that. I'm not, no, no, hold on, hold on. You've heard the word of God, no matter when you, I don't care if you heard it one time. You know that that word is different than what you're doing. You know that it tells you to do different. It tells you to live right. You know, you've had somebody, you've had that word or what, however God chose to give that to you. He sent his word to you. You're on the hook for it. And I want you to understand that. Okay. The enemy is going to try to convince you that there is somehow an excuse, but I want you to know when you stand before the Lord on that great day, that excuse that you, that the devil sold you, that sounded real good and you just bought into and you just, you know, you ran with it because it gave you a little bit more time to keep doing what you wanted to do instead of doing what God told you to do. I'm going to tell you what, it's all coming up on that day. You might be able to get away with that for somebody else and in the presence of somebody else, but God sits high and he still looks low. He beholds you and it is no, there is no point in time where your heart, your mind is not before the Lord. You are an open book before God at all time. And you better understand he's reading. He is reading. You can try to, you can, look, you can, you can, you can try to change up the story all that you want. No, 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 no. He's reading. He's reading. What is he reading about you? Amen. What is he reading? That Bible tells us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He starts the story and he going to book in that story, but he has given you permission to write the contents of that story. What is he reading? What is Jesus reading? Is he reading the story of obedience? Is he reading a story of faithfulness? Is it a story that says that this person pushed through and they held on to God with everything that they got? And when they couldn't, they hold on with everything. They refused to sin. What is he reading? Or is he reading a story about somebody who was too cowardly to take a stand for what was right? Because they didn't want to be the odd man out in the face of the world. You better choose. You better choose. Because you can't have this world and have God. I know that's not popular, but that is what it is. You cannot have this world and have God too. You got to choose. You have to choose. And so these are some of the things that we learned about on last week, walking, living, and operating in love. We found out that that's our duty. You know, our Lord and Savior, uh, Christ, <laughs> God Almighty. He told us in John 15 and 13, greater love have no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friend. And we got into that and we, and we really dug into that. Amen. And we learned a whole lot. 
that that really just, you know, laying down that life. He said, greater love have no man than this, than to lay down his life. And we broke it all down. We talked about greater, what that meant. We talked about um, what the word um, to, um, to give up, amen, or to set aside, which is what lay it down means. Lay down means to give up or to set aside. And we learned that it wasn't just talking about your life in the, in the, in the strictest sense, meaning just your, your actual living life, but it also, it, but, but it refers to your way of living, the things that you do. It means sacrificing. You're not just your, your life as in your life force, that life that God has given to you by which you live and breathe. It's not just that, but it also means sacrificing your right and your will at times it means putting you on the it means putting yourself on the back burner for the good of your brother and sister and that's something that is our duty you got to understand if you're a child of god that's not optional we treat it like it's optional but it's not it's not how do you know that it's not because jesus is going to ask that question what did you do when i was hungry what did you do when I was naked? What did you do when I didn't have this? And what, what's, what then? What, what, what did you do? When I was thirsty, did you give me something to drink? When I was hungry, did you give me something to eat? When you saw that I was, that I was unrobed, did you robe me? Did you clothe me? What did you do? That question's coming up, family. And that's gonna come up. And if you're not following that word and being obedient to that word of God, you're going to come up short. And you're going to come up short at the worst possible time. Because that's the end of it all at that point. That's the end of it all. You got to make, you, it's our duty to not just love our brothers and sisters with our words, but with our actions and our deeds. And when I say our brothers and sisters, I mean that in the loosest sense of the word. I don't just mean those of the household of faith, but I mean humanity. You got to love because that's where the mission field is. You can't just stop at the people that you know and all that can know. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. David said, when we get to back to uh, 1 Samuel um, 17, 32, he used the word thy servant. And we talked about that. We talked about how it meant um, subordinate. Okay. And we talked about how it's a title of humility. Okay. Amen. We talked about that, that it's a title of humility. And we also discovered that the role of the servant is really not one that many people seek. It, it's not. Okay. Um, and um, it, it, we, we discovered that it is literally not nearly as sought after as it should be. And, it's in, and in fact, it's probably the least sought after role. We learned that the reason for this is because at the end of the day, people would rather be served than to serve. We, we wanna be looked at and looked upon as being distinguished and we, or we wanna be thought of as being great and somebody great. And we discovered that sometimes, and it is sad, but sometimes we want that so much, people want that so much that we don't even wait for somebody else to acknowledge us, to perhaps herald our accolades or to say, give us some sort of noteworthy praise. We don't even wait for that. No, we don't. Many times we take that task of self-praise is what we say it on to ourselves. And that's a real shame. 
but the word told us that this is the case because it is written that many tote their own righteousness. Do you not hear Proverbs 20 and six saying, most men will proclaim everyone his own righteousness, but a faithful man who can find it? Who can find him? And that's sad. Most people, they, 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 they'll tote their own righteousness. And that's why you have people and many times us falling into that snare that we want to be recognized so much. We want to be great. We want to be looked at as so favorable by everyone else, by the world, <laughs> not by God, but by the world. We, want, we would rather be looked on as favorable by the world than favorable by God. And that's a real case of priorities out of order. But nevertheless, that's what it is. And why? Because again, Proverbs 20 and 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own <clears throat> righteousness. Amen. There's just that part of us that wants to be recognized. But the Bible speaks against that. The Bible teaches, uh, in contrast, directly against that. Do you not hear Proverbs 27 and 2? Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. A lot of people don't know that. When you go around uh, toting and polishing your accomplishments and all this other kind of thing and so on and so forth, it, it, you are not supposed to do that. That's why, you know, I have a hard time. Sometimes there are times where I have been asked, you know, well, um, you know, um, give me, uh, I have trouble writing a bio. That's just me personally. This is just a personal thing. I have, a, I have trouble writing my own bio at times. It's not that I can't write a bio, but if I write a biography, I've had times where I've been asked to speak and uh, some people have asked me for a bio from different times and so on and, and so forth. And it's hard for me to do that, to write that, because when I write that, I have to make sure that when I do it, I'm not really trying that, that I do it in a way that does not from, from me, that, that, that does not constitute me just trying to trump my own horn. So that I'm just giving the facts and I'm just giving details. As a matter of fact, okay, this is what it is. This is what, but, but all of the language that really just goes into really trying to, to push me up or set me up, I got to avoid all that. Why? Because God against that. How do you know that? Proverbs 27, 2, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. There's nothing wrong with telling people what you've done and all, I'm not saying all of that. I'm not, no, we're not saying biographies are evil. That's not what we're saying, but we are saying that arrogance is. Yes, we're saying that, we're saying that haughtiness is. We're saying that pride is that, that's evil. That's a problem with that. And I have to be careful with it. Why do I have to be careful? Because I just gave you Proverbs 20 and six. Because most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. That means that I, like everybody else, have the capacity to fall into pride and fall into the area of where I'm tooting my own horn. I can't do that. No, I got to esteem my brother and my sister greater than I. I got to humble myself. I have to. Look at Proverbs 25. Look at verses 6 and 7. This further kind of cements this whole thing. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king and stand not in the place of great men. For better it is 
that it be said unto thee, come up hither, then that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. What is the man of God saying here? He, well, he's talking in line again about pride and one putting themselves up. And what he's telling you in this scripture set, Proverbs 25, 6 and 7, in case you missed it, when he says put forth put not forth thyself in the presence of the king and stand not in the place of great men. What he's saying is, is, is that don't try to be so bent on making yourself look good that you want to impress everybody. And you do it in such a way that those whom are great, those who, are, who have earned it, those who are there, you're just going to bogard your way into putting yourself on the same platform as them. In other words, you're taking your own badge, you're shining it up, and you are trying to put yourself up on the platform. You want to be on the pedestal. You say, you know what? I can speak just as well as them. I can do this just as well as them. I can go over here. I can do the same thing just as well as them. So I'm going to put myself up on the same pedestal. I'm going to put myself on the same platform. Is this not what Miriam and Aaron did with Moses? When Moses married the Ethiopian woman and they got upset about that and married, and all of a sudden her and Aaron going to have a powwow and they're going to say, well, you know what, hold on, doesn't God speak to us too? God got mad and told them all to come out, to, out the camp and had a word with them and God had to break it down. Hold on. Yeah, you know what? When I, when I, I, I talk to whoever I want to talk to and, I, and, and when I speak word, this is what I do. But, 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 but when I talk to Moses, that's different. I don't talk to him the same way that I talk to you. And he said, why were you not afraid to speak against Moses? And that is such a trap for many of us. We start thinking, I'm telling you, pride gets and arrogance gets in there. And we see people that we admire um, that have talent or ability or whatever. It, it doesn't matter what it is. And all of a sudden we start thinking, you know what? I can do that. I can do just as, and it's not that you shouldn't think that you can do that. Yes, because we can do all things through Christ. But when you arrogantly think that because you want the accolades, because you want the limelight, because you want the spotlight, friend, family, that is sin. And Proverbs 25, 26, 25 verses 6 through 7 says, put not forth thyself in the presence of the king and stand not in the place of great men. In other words, don't just put yourself, bulgard yourself into the, into the equation. You're just going to add yourself into it. He said, because it's better for you to be, for them to say, for you to be humble and be brought up. then because people looking at you and seeing that arrogance and that unrighteousness, you just bogard your way in there. And then instead of getting acknowledged by those people, you know what you're going to get instead of that? You're going to get shut down by those people. And that's what he's talking about. That's why it's better. In other words, wait your turn. God got you. It's not about you. 
And until you figure out that it's not about you, you're not going to have much. See, until you figure out that this thing is not about you, whether it's in the ministry or whatever it is, you are going to be a small individual working on small things. Making a small difference in anything that you're a part of. Why? Because you got arrogance and haughtiness and pride is burning out of control. You got to humble yourself, family. I got to humble myself. I told you last week, in God's kingdom, up is down and down is up. If you try to put yourself up, you're going to be brought down. That's why Proverbs, it's a, it's a divine principle. That's why it doesn't work, because God has spoken against it. When God speaks against a thing, you've got to understand, who is strong enough to override that? If God say that the way to go up is to go down, who is strong enough to reverse that? You can't just change the will of God. If God ever changes mind on a thing, it's because he won't to. We sometimes, as children of God, have it so twisted. We think we got so much power of God that we got the power to change God's mind. You ain't got the power to do nothing. When God changes mind, because we have been faithful on a thing, it is not because you, you, your faith made him change his mind. He decided to acknowledge your faith by changing his mind on whatever it is. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't overestimate yourself. Don't start writing your own press and reading your own letters. I'm trying to tell you that God is sovereign and he does what he's going to do because he's God all by himself. He don't have no tutor. He don't need nobody to tell him what to do. God is going to do it out of his good pleasure. And when God does a thing for you, it is always because of his grace, not because you earned it. The Bible is full of times in where God decided to do one thing, but when faith came into play, he changed his mind. He made another decision. That was not because faith made him do it. That's a ridiculous lie that ridiculous people talk about. God chooses to acknowledge faith. And when he does so, it is of his own volition. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you this. God can watch you have faith and acknowledge your faith and not change and reverse a thing that he said he was going to do. All the while, he acknowledging your faith. See, faith pleases God. And he always will accept it. But the acceptance of your faith and the pleasing of God through your faith don't mean that God going to change what he said. Somebody listening to this, you need to understand that he is God and you are not. You need to get back in your place and humble yourself. He is higher and you are lower. And you got to start having some respect for what God does for you, because when he does it, it is purely out of his grace. 
Amen. I know that's, that's some tough teaching, but you need to know that. We want to be great. And sometimes, you know, wanting to be perceived as great and distinguished, we talked a little bit about this. That in itself is not, is wanting to be seen as, as great, okay? Is not really, not in itself a bad thing, okay? All right. So, uh, you know, you shouldn't be going around thinking, <laughs> thinking ill of yourself. Oh, I'm just a, you know, uh, just a mess up. I'm just a this and I'm just a that. And I can't, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You got to have some confidence. But our self-confidence is rooted in confidence in God. It's not rooted in ourselves. Okay. We call it self-confidence because then we don't have another term for it. But the confidence that I have, the belief that I can do and I can do this and I can accomplish this, that, and the other is because of what my God can do. And I have him. And he's got me. And he can cause me to rise to any occasion. He can cause you to rise to any occasion. So my confidence is not really so much in myself. It's not that I have confidence in me, but I have confidence in what I can do as long as I am in league and in obedience with him. Do you see how that works? That's, that, that's, that's the Christian's form of self-confidence. It's not really because, see, we're we, we supposed to be one with God. So it's not me having confidence in my own talent. My own, no, 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 no. We don't want to walk in that camp. But I just believe what my God can do. <laughs> I believe in Jesus and I, and I ain't ashamed of it. And I don't care what nobody thinks. I believe what Jesus can do. He's God almighty and he's never failed. I mean, do, do you know the story? I mean, he went to the cross. Got executed on our behalf. He was innocent. We were guilty. And then he rose from the dead. Seriously, what can he not do? What, what can he not do? If I need finance, if I need healing, if I need, man, really? Yeah, I'm going to go to the doctor because those are the provisions that he made for But you know, well, before I go to a doctor, I'm going to take it to Jesus. And I'm going to say, Lord, if it's your will, Bless the hands of these doctors and allow them to be successful in that. Their, the, the treatments and the things that they give me, let it work if it be your. But God, if you don't want to use no doctor, I'm good with that. Speak a word, Jesus. That's all. I just, you just do that. And I'm good. You don't even have to show up wherever you are. Just If you will just speak a word. Because I'm a man under authority. And I understand how authority works. You don't have to just come right, Lord. You can speak a word from wherever you are. And last time I checked, God is everywhere. <laughs> Whether shall I go from the presence of the Lord? I'm, I'm telling you, man, I almost feel like preaching this morning. God is good this morning. God is good this morning. Look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be looked on, having people have a good opinion of you and to be looked on as great. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? As long as that desire is kept in check by the presence of humility. Luke 14 and 11 says this, for whosoever exalted himself shall be abased and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You need to understand. That is God talking right there, telling you and me how the thing works. That's him telling us that up is down and down is up, okay? Progress in the kingdom works in reverse from progress in this world. 
And as long as you, you got to understand, they are as different as East is to West. The beautiful thing for the child of God is, is, is that when you, to, if you choose to progress according to the scripture, so you go down in order to go up, God will provide you everything else that you need in the world. But if you try to, but if you try to prioritize the world first and go up before going down, it ain't going to work. God's going to resist you. And these are things that you, that you need to know. Look at Proverbs chapter 15, look at verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stay on this humility kick for just a little while. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. You want to be great? You want people to have a good opinion of you? You got to humble yourself. The prophet Samuel had to tell Saul, the first king of Israel, whom we're dealing with here, in, 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 as it goes on into the, into the prior to all of the Samuel had to tell, look here, man. While you were small in your own eyes, it was all good. You were doing fine when you were small in your own eyes, but then you just got all sideways. And, a, and if somebody listened to this, you were right there. And some of you, I understand how you got there because you grew up and, 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 and had to deal with people never speaking well of you, people putting you down and all of these different things and so on and so forth. You weren't encouraged like you should have been. Maybe there was, you were mistreated in, in, in some of the worst ways possible. No one didn't, no one tried to really build you up. And all of these different things. And so you and, and so as you began to grow, you, you started to adopt a little bit of the world's philosophy of self-confidence, their idea of self-confidence. And you started tooting your own horn and you start and you and, and as you grew up and you became to realize that, you know what, I'm an adult and you know what, I don't you know, what, I don't I'm not I'm not beholden. I'm not stuck by what people have said. I can I make my I'll make my own way. But you started to you started to take that and go a little bit too far. And that's the, set, the subtleness of the devil's propaganda. Got you thinking that it's good to have all of that. But the problem is, is that you just started writing God all out the picture. And now everything that you have and everything that you do is a product of your own two hands. Newsflash. Ain't nothing a product of your own two hands other than your failures. Same as it is for me. When I succeed at a thing, I do so by the grace of God, by the permission of God. And you do also. But the devil got you, got people tricked and thinking that, you know what I'm saying, that it's all them. But my Bible tells me that except the Lord build the house, they that labor, they labor in vain that building. If the Lord don't keep the city, the watchman, guess what he do? He wake in vain. I'm just trying to remind somebody, it is God that is keeping you. And it is God that has blessed you. And it is God that is worthy of your praise. It's time for you to stop tooting your own horn and start tooting his. Start acknowledging him. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. 
that pride that you think make you look good. And that's what the world tells you that having that pride makes you look good. But that pride have makes you know what it really does? It shames you. It shames you before the one in whom it matters most. God Almighty, you want to know why? Because he is the author and finisher of your faith. He reserves the right to write the final pages of your story. And you have done nothing to please him. It's time for you to stop this reckless descent of yours, pursuing what this world has. And you need to start pursuing God. You need to repent of your sins. You need to change your mind about doing wrong. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and you need to get off of this reckless path. Turn away from this path. I'm telling you, there are signs that are telling you that the bridge is out. You better turn around. Turn back now. Turn back now. Turn back now. You're going too far. You're hanging with the wrong people. You're entertaining the wrong people. And they're talking you further and further into wickedness. You, some of you are frustrated with mom and dad and you're doing everything that you can just to spite them, even though there were some things that they gave you that were good. And what they did try to give you was a knowledge of God. But you decided somewhere because they offended you that you're not going to follow that. You're going to throw everything away. You better turn back. You better turn back now. Let God put that forgiveness in your heart. Turn back because you're headed the wrong way. They may not have done right by you and everything, but for some of you, they at least told you the right thing. Maybe they didn't do it the right way. But I want to tell you something. The right thing is still the right thing, no matter who said it. You're still on the hook. Turn back now. Turn back now. Proverbs 16, 19 says, better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You see how, how powerful humility is? Notice how it's when you're, when you're humble that the greatness comes in, that pe got people start looking at you the way that they're supposed to. You want to know why? It is because God causes them to see you just the way he wants them to. It's called the favor of God. Amen. Amen. Look at Proverbs 18 and 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Some of you, I'm telling you right now, as sure as my voice is coming over this thing, when you hear this, wherever you are, no matter what time of day it is, and no matter where you are in the world, some of you that will listen to this, as sure as my voice is coming through clear, you are headed to destruction. And your pride is the vehicle by which you are traveling. This is a divine principle, family. He said, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. That means that when a man ends in destruction, when a person's life ends in destruction. Now, when we say destruction, what are we talking about? We're talking about a person 
who has not repented of their sins, a person who has not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and a person who has not been filled with the Holy Ghost. So we are talking about a person that never gets it right, according to the word of God, okay? That's what we mean when we're talking about destruction. And what we need to understand is, is that person, the Bible is telling you that though, although he's telling you that everybody who ends in destruction, he says before all of them, their heart is haughty. That, do you know, do you, let, me, let me make that plain. That means that everybody who's going to die and go to hell will do so with pride present and accounted for, and there are no exceptions. Some think that you are humble, but you are not. See, you can be humble in the face of the world. You can do, you can, you can walk the, 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 the path of humility, abase yourself. You can give away all your goods to the poor and you can do all of these different things. You can never talk of yourself and all, you, all of this different stuff. You can listen to the world. They'll say that's humility. But the word of God says that before destruction, the, the heart of man is pride. It's, it's haughty. The, pride, the, the heart of man is haughty, which means that there's pride there. So what does that mean then? It means this. True humility starts with acknowledging who God is. Oh, I'm gonna say it again. True humility starts with acknowledging who God is. So in other words, you can be hum you humble all you want in the world, but if you don't ever humble yourself to recognize the creator for who he is and, 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 and subject yourself to obedience to his word, you have not humbled yourself. You're still arrogant. Let me make it plain, even more plain than that. As long as you are doing what you want to do and not doing what God wants you to do, you are operating in pride and arrogance. And you need to know that. That's very serious. Proverbs 22 and 4 says this, by humility, and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You see how that works? You're chasing the dollar. Some of you chasing, trying to end me. You're just trying to, trying, to, you're trying to get by. You're trying to survive. And the Lord is telling you how to survive. Humble yourself and acknowledge him. And he will work out all the provisions that you need. Does not the word of God tell us, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you? Amen. Amen. Remember, in God's kingdom, it works in reverse than what the world does. Down is up and up is down. Okay. You can't go around seeking up. You got to seek down. Amen. Proverbs 29, 23 says, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Again, the same thing. See, many have lost their way because of pride and arrogance, even in the church, wanting to be great in somebody's eyes. 
okay, to the point and, and not caring about being great in God's eyes. And that's not a state that a believers can really walk in. We can't go in there because that can't be our primary focus. It can't be because of, obviously because of Luke 14 and 11, whosoever exalted himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So we, we can't have our own, doing our own thing as our primary focus. And it's a sad state. Why? Because, because this thing is present and accounted for even in the church. We covet mantles. We said last week of people we deem great. I want to be, I want their mantle, this, that, and the other guy. I told you to do none of that. We envy and we lust after titles. We want to have be these distinguished titles. We recklessly to the detriment of our brothers and sisters. And to ourselves, we chase positions. And we profusely crave notoriety. And yeah, we said, yeah, it could be said that we just want to be somebody. But, but at what cost is trying to be somebody in the eyes of the world? When does that price become too high that it's not worth paying? And Jesus gave us a warning. Mark 8. 36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world only and lose his soul? Luke 9, 25, for what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? You're not getting anything. You're not getting anything. Greatness, Jesus taught us that if we are to be great, the way he wants us to. We must first serve. Look at Luke 24. And once you look at verse 24 through 27, amen. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doeth serve. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. See that? Service is the prelude to greatness. Greatness in God's kingdom is not tied to a person's ability to give commands and instructions and order people around, but rather one's ability to selflessly follow. See, it's less about telling others what to do how they can help and it's more about selflessly helping others so less about you trying to tell others how they can help it's more about you selflessly getting in and helping others sometimes taking on the role of a servant will require you and me to serve in the face of those that doubt your ability. Look at 1 Samuel 17, I want you to look at verse 33. And Saul said to David, thou art 
not able to go against this Philistine, to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he, a man of war from his youth. You hear Saul doubting David? Sometimes taking the role of a servant requires you to serve in the face of those <laughs> that doubt your ability. They're so caught up in how things are going and how things have fallen out and, they, and, and they've lost their hope. And so even though you step in to take one for the team, they just can't see you overcoming it. They can't see you succeeding where everybody else failed. Why? Because they're caught in the maw of hopelessness. And sometimes serving, being a servant, stepping up for your brother and your sister means you're going to do so when they are very much caught up in the maw of hopelessness. And they've just kind of lost their ability to believe that a better day is coming, that as things will get brighter, that it won't be like this always. And so they may doubt you. That may happen. But God's power and authority, our text shows, and what David was able to do, God's power and authority is not tied to age. God don't care about how old you are, nor is it influenced by the length of time that the enemy's been on the job. Let me tell you something. The devil been at this game a long time, longer than you've been here. But I don't change the fact that you still got victory in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you see how that worked? The devil been running game for a long time. He's been at his foolishness for, I mean, just for a long, long time. He's been at it longer than you've been here. But I said God's power and authority, it ain't tied to how long you've been in here. And it ain't tied to how long the devil been at, been at his job. No, it's not. It's not tied to any of that. So then how could David against these odds and in this situation, find the courage to step up to the plate and take a crack at a giant? Because some problems seem like giants. There are some problems that are so hopelessly looking that you don't see no way out of that. You don't see a possibility that you can even remotely overcome. There are some problems that have escalated to the point of gigantic. And so it's a relevant question. How can David rise against these odds? And in this situation, how can he rise to the occasion? How can he find the courage to step up and take a crack at a giant? How can you step up? How can you rise to the occasion and take a crack at the giant that's in your life? The giants that say that you're getting ready to lose your home. The giants that say you're going to lose your job. The giants that say that you won't be able to put food on the table. The giants that say that you can't get promotion. The giants that say that your family won't come back. The giants that say that you're going to lose absolutely everything. How do you rise up against all of that? Well, you got to do what David did. David remembered what he was able to accomplish in the past. And he remembered how he was able to accomplish it. Go back to the text. David said, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go out. 
go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Watch this. Look at David remembering where he came from and what he was able to do. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Do you hear what David is saying? David said, listen, this ain't the, my first rodeo. I done dealt with problems before. Where the enemy came and took, seemingly took what was most precious to me. Whatever that may have been. He said, I've been through all of this. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and slew him. Let's unpack that for just a moment. He said, I went out after him. David was saying, I've been through all of this before against all odds. And I walked by faith when the devil took everything from me by faith in my God. I walked after and went to take back what was stolen from me. And he said, and I took him. And I smote him. And delivered him. He's out of his mouth. So he said, I went after the enemy. And we mixed it up. And I came out on top. The devil had to let go. I began to send up prayer over and over and over again. Lord, my child. Lord, my friend. Lord, my job. Lord, this situation. I already have been confronted with losing everything. And have stepped out on faith in the past. And my God gave me victory. And I didn't even, it didn't even stop there, Saul. Because even when God gave me victory because of my faithfulness, the devil didn't decide it wasn't going to just take that line down. He came right back after me. Do you hear the scripture? That's what he's saying. He said, and when he arose against me, so after he's been delivered, after God has made a way out of no way, do you know the devil not going to stop? You better be ready to fight to the end, friend. You better be ready to go to the wall. Because after God delivered your children, after God delivered that job, after God put food on that table, the devil going to keep coming. He don't respect you. But you better be willing to stand in there just like David stood in there. And he said, I caught him by his beard. That beard don't mean that he caught him by his, his hair. That beard means he caught the animal by his jaw. When the enemy comes in, the Bible tells you that the devil is like a roaring lion. But I'm trying to tell you that when you are on God's side and you decide to do it God's way, God calls you to catch the enemy by his jaw. God, listen, not only did Dan, did God shut the mouth of lions for Daniel, but God has given you the power to shut the mouth of the enemy yourself. He said, I caught him by his beard. That means I grabbed him by his jaw. In the name of Jesus Christ, 
We are more than victors. I hope you hear what I am telling you. I'm just trying to remind somebody of what God did and put in Caleb in Numbers 30, 13 and 30. He said, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I'm, do you know that you are able to overcome the situation that you're in, the circumstances? Do you hear Romans 8 and 37, nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us do you know that if you do it God's way you cannot be beat do you know Philippians 1 and 6 being confident in this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ I'm trying to tell you that God is not done so don't you give up don't you give in Because your victory ain't tied to your age and it ain't tied to how long the devil been at his foolishness. I'm telling you the name of Jesus is greater. And if you will speak that name and believe, I'm telling you all things are possible. But Brother Walker, how can I do all of this? I hear what you're saying and I want to be able to have this. I, want, I, I need this in my life. I need this. Acts 2.38 says, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you want to experience this victory, if you want to be able to walk in the, the authority that God has set aside for you, you got to get right with God. You got to be tired of the sin. You got to let it all go. You got to repent of all that foolishness, all that wickedness. You got to turn from it. You can't be okay with it. You got to let it go. I'm telling you, you got to let it go because you can't hold on to the world's way and God's way at the same time. It's not compatible, family. It's not compatible, friend. You got to let it go and you got to do it God's way. You got to repent. You got to be broken over your sin. You got to be baptized in his name. And he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Don't worry. Don't ask, is it, is it for me? I told you the word of God said, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's calling. He's calling. He's calling everybody. Are you willing to answer? Brothers and sisters, that will conclude our lessons on lions and bears. Praise God. I thank God for your patience. And we will be on to the next subject, whatever that may be that God gives us. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that you keep it always with you and pull it out when you need to. And remind yourself of who God is. And that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God bless you. Until next time.